Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, MidwayUSA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. The boat ride this morning was pretty awesome. That's about the best $32 per person I have spent in a long time. I thought it was just a kids fishing event, but we all got to fish. The amount of porgies that were caught in a row, almost every time you dropped your bait down, you were getting into fish. We left the harbor with Captain Colin, went out. They dropped a lobster pot full of bait for crabs. And they were going to pick that up on the way back. We got out to the fishing grounds, and we just drifted over, I guess, a rock pile. It was cut squid. You put it on your hook, and you just free-spool it down to the bottom with a weight. And as soon as it hits the bottom, you start getting tugs, and you set the hook. The largest... Fish of the day went to the guy behind us. They caught a black sea bass that was keepable, so they gave it to us. We got about four or five porgies of keeping size, so Yuri is extremely happy that he gets to clean and eat fresh-caught fish for dinner. We headed back in after maybe 30 minutes of fishing. We picked up the crabs. They dumped them all over the deck of the boat and the kids got to pick them up and throw them back in and then the kids had to scrub the deck which was awesome then i dropped everyone off and i went to a fishing spot on the inside of barnstable harbor is that the name of the harbor whatever the name of the harbor is and i Walked the beach. It was extremely windy. It's cold enough that I've got to wear a hoodie. And once I waded out, my bat cast was the same level as the grasses on shore. I kept catching the grasses. It was very frustrating. 
I'm getting a little tired from double hauling line the whole time I'm out here for three or four days now. There was no sign of fish, no activity. I walked up and down, found nothing but just dead stuff on the beach, lots of dead horseshoes, dead birds, dead crabs, a lot of dead things on the shores here. And I decided to pack it up and go find a fishing store and just look around. The first one I went to barely had anything. It was boat supplies mostly. They suggested I go to North Chatham Outfitters. I went there and he said the water's just too warm for them. They're mostly going to be out in 60 to 70 feet of water. The spot we went to the other day, he said was good. I should give it a try. So I'm back here now. I might actually be able to go around the point with the tide being out as low as it is. Some of the other spots I mentioned, he said, yeah, those are great. Just not this time of year. So I don't know what to do other than just keep trying spots. I'm going to do a little driving around and exploring while everyone just sits at home and eats lunch. And then I'm going to go get a sandwich at the Mason Jar, which Captain Colin suggested. It's quite frustrating that every third cast, you've got to clean your line off of algae and seaweed. And the wind up here is completely different. I'm still going to wear my hoodie. It's, let's see how what the temperature is out here. 70 degrees. There's been no sun out at all today. It's overcast, which you'd think would make the fishing good. So I'm just going to keep trying. There's two other cars here in the parking lot, and everyone's just hanging out in their cars. So I'm going to go take advantage of an open beach and be able to back cast, and I'm going to be fishing the rip through here with my sinking line. All right. It is now 1.52. It's been about 40 minutes. I was down at that beach, and my goodness, that water is ripping through. It is probably three times faster than walking pace. Any cast out would be immediately swept down. There is a large deep cut and I imagine that's where the fish would be hiding once to pass the drop off. Plus at the edge of the rip, it just turns into really big waves. So there must be some kind of structure down there I can't see. I was throwing my two fly rig out there and sinking it, counting it down, stripping, varying my strips. I saw a couple fish busting on the way far edge of it. So far away, I didn't even know what kind of fish they were. They looked like they were mullet jumping. And every couple of casts, I would make a step downstream. And on one of them, I just let it sink a little bit longer started stripping it in and boom right at the dropper fly the little clear super clouser material and a little bit of flash with some eyes on it and solares epoxy and again that's what the fish took it's probably about 16 to 17 inches long i fought it all the way up to my feet and it was a feisty one, a striped bassar. They, they like to flop and spin around when you try to land them. It popped off the hook, so I didn't get a real close-up, but it was not big enough to be fought on the reel. But I got my third striper of the day, my first bite of the afternoon, and I decided at 1.45 I was going to call it and head over to this mason jar. It is it's about 13 to 14 minutes, 7 miles away. So I get to see some 
of the more back roads that I haven't seen yet. And I kept fishing down the beach and I was unable to repeat my success. But overall, one fish in about an hour, not that bad for me on this trip. It's beautiful, silvery, black, marked striped bass. And now for my second catch of the day, I'm going to get a sandwich. My plan is we're going to have sundowners on one of the beaches tonight. I'm going to be persuading everybody to go to the beaches that I've fished and not a beach where I can't fish from. So we'll see if I can assuage their mentalities and we can go somewhere where I can get maybe my third fish outing of August 1st. Good morning. It's 519 in the morning on Thursday, August 2nd. Dawn patrol. The sun is going to come up about 30 or 40 minutes. It's just light enough now out here to see what I'm doing. So I'm up. I'm tired. I'm only doing this because I think today the tides are going to line up right at sunrise. I should be able to get into some more fish. I'm thinking maybe take off the big clouds or just fish to the smaller bait fish flies. Not determined that yet. However, at 520 in the morning, it is already two degrees warmer than the high of yesterday. It's breezy out here. The beach umbrella out on the patio where we're staying blew over overnight and knocked the stand over. It's a little dry out here today with the wind. There's a small craft advisory. And I'm just going to fish for about an hour, head back, start working on breakfast, and then we're headed up to Provincetown, I believe, leaving the little one with the grandparents. So just the uncles, the wife, and myself. I want to go up there and find a nice little cafe and have lunch. Get some nice home-cooked meal rather than a takeout sandwich. Now, yesterday's sandwich at the Mason Jar was pretty fantastic. The ingredients mostly were your average boar's head product. However, they had some kind of guacamole spread that brought it all together and just made for an awesome sandwich. Let's see if that dude from yesterday is here. I am pulling into the parking lot. I like this beach because it's a short walk. I got the whole place to myself today. It's just a short walk down the beach, and it has just some of the easiest fishing access. It's really the only place I've consistently caught fish the whole time we've been out here. So I am going to go wet a line. It's 6.23 in the morning, and I'm rolling back to the house. It's pretty darn windy down here, enough that it's all kind of white caps, and the wind's blowing you one direction while waiting, and the current is pulling you in a direction. Theoretically, that should make you stand up straight, but it didn't. I was the only one out. I did not see any fish, and most of my casts ended up with seaweed on them. And we used to hang out with Nickel Creek a bit, and before each song, they would always tune all their instruments. I kind of feel like I got to tune my flies between each cast, having to bring them in and pull either the chunks of algae or the seaweed strips off of it. It's rather annoying. So I fished the mouth of the creek, hoping that some fish would be stacked up there, but that was where all of 
the detritus in the water was. So that was pointless. I went to wade out, and at first it was still fairly deep, and the waves are coming in enough that they're twice the height of the water. So when I was wading in knee-deep water, a wave would come in and crash me at my waist. It just wasn't pleasant. I'm not seeing anything. The wind is probably a sustained 25 to 30 knots down on the water. Just wasn't worth it. So I'm going to go roll back, take a hot shower, get the breakfast going, and get organized for Provincetown. I'm going to try and sneak one rod and reel with me in the car. If we drive, I don't know if we're going in the uncle's car because we've got a car that a kid rides in and parents know what that is like. There's crumbs and stickers and crap everywhere. So I'm going to turn on the main road and I'm going to go start making some bacon. All right, we're in the Center for Coastal Studies. Want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm, my name is John McMullen. I'm a recent graduate. I work out here, do a lot of fishing out in Cape Cod. Um, we're in Provincetown right now, but I do most of my fishing down in Orleans, okay. that area. Yeah. What do you fish for down there? Um, saltwater. I do a lot of striper fishing. Um, do some tuna fishing, but it's kind of slow right now. Um, and Is that the water temperatures? Probably not so much water temperatures. It's hard to tell. A lot of times they just move based on the bait. So there's been piles of bait out there. Last week they did really well tuna-wise, but it's just kind of slow recently and striper fishing is just more fun to me like i like to go out in the kayaks at night right you can go down to brewster at night um and that's like, where the flats are exactly and if you get a high tide at like anywhere between 9 and 11 at night and like light north wind they light up out there okay the stripers so what are you doing here what, what goes on at the research here we do um this is the center for coastal studies in provincetown and it's a place that does research education and rescue so the research is marine research uh right whales humpback whales seals that sort of thing um rescue is uh there's saving whales and marine animals that get caught in uh fishing gear like lobster pots and then out of this exact room we're in we do education programs for kids and just like general public awareness that's the idea did you study marine Sciences? I said environmental studies at Brown University. And you're looking for a real job now after this summer? Yeah, I'm actually, I have a real job. I'll be teaching outside of Boston. So All right. I'm teaching marine science to some uh, high school kids. Yeah, Good science. for you. Exactly. Okay. Yep. So what's going on around here this time of year? What are, on the kayak tours you do, what are people going to see? Well, if you do the kayak tours just out in Provincetown here, we go through the harbor, you see a good amount of seals. No sharks or anything. Those are more on the ocean side. Um, lots of different birds, like cormorants, um, some uh, ocean ducks. Um, and then you're also just going to see, like, the sea life in the shallows. Like, we show people all the different types of crabs and the shellfish um, and that sort of thing. No more pilgrims? <laughs> no more pilgrims. <laughs> Who's got the best sandwich in this town or the best lunch? Um, I'll put in a word for canteen. Canteen? Yeah. What do you say? Uh, I really like box lunch. Box lunch. All right. Very cool. Where can we find you online, social media, where people can learn about what y'all do? Um, this is just the Center for Coastal Studies. Um, and so there you'll find the sort of research, education, rescue they do. And if you want to see what sort of fishing is going on out here, the Goose Hummock Shop is they have a page on Instagram and Facebook, and that's where you get a lot of fishing info. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. Have a good one. It's 4.46, high tide was two minutes ago. I'm going to go try a spot from yesterday afternoon that got me skunked, but it's the one 
that I was highly recommended a fish. We spent the day up in Provincetown, or P-Town as it's known, which is an old town with very narrow one-way streets full of pedestrians. And it's Pride Family Week, so it's super crowded with kids up there. Come on, lady. Will you? So there's plenty of room for the lady in front of me to turn left out of the shopping center. And I'm trying to move right, and she's not going. People here are not in the rush that I'm used to living in Northern Virginia. I really wanted to find a nice little quaint cafe, somewhere to have lunch. The first place you order and then they bring it to you and not being a seafood eater, my limit was grilled cheese or falafel. And these people don't look like they know how to make a good falafel. So I went with the option of there's nothing here I'm going to eat. So we walked back up the block and it was about 92 degrees up there compared with a high of 70 yesterday. We get to a nice little outdoor cafe lunch spot and the kid gets chicken fingers breaded in the same breading they use for the seafood. I got myself a jerk chicken sandwich with fries and the sandwich was good. Nothing to write home about, nothing to elaborate about. It required on the menu a lime cilantro aioli and I said, I've had enough sand for this week, Morgan, that I'm not going to get any cilantro. Thus, I had a rather dry sandwich. I don't think she understood me when I asked if there was an alternate sauce. I would have been fine with tartar sauce. Tartar sauce is one of those great condiments that only gets taken out at at fish restaurants. It should be available at all restaurants as a aioli-based condiment. Maybe we could have Chris Cease. There's an actual old lady crossing the road with a broom and a chair right now. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages. Things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Gotta drive slow. So yeah, I'm a big fan of, of that form of dipping sauce. We walked around some more, did a little bit of shopping. I could not find a striped bass piece of artwork that satisfied my urge to purchase it display that in the house. The pixie, she got herself some little knickknacks and a tie-dyed P-Town zippered hoodie, which should keep her nice and cool if we ever get back to air conditioning. Our place has no air conditioning, so the windows have been open. Everything is damp. If you could smell my pants right now, the pants I wore this morning, they were clean. I wore them to go fishing. I laid them out in the sun and wind to dry. As soon as we left this morning, my mother-in-law put them inside. They smell like rotten dumpster liquid. It's just like I texted my wife. I'm so pissed that I've said I'm going to poop my pants just to get rid of the smell in the car right now. So we came back, went to the grocery store. I'm making a pesto pasta with grilled summer produce. And we're not doing that till around 730 or 8. So now I'm going to go hit the high tide here. And then I'm going to go back to the other beach I was at this morning for sundowners and hopefully they bring me a cold beer because i'm going to need it in this heat it's 82 degrees right now 
I'm assuming I'm going to have this spot to myself. There was no one there yesterday. And I had a great drive up to Provincetown. I got to see parts of, I still want to call this place an island. It's parts of the peninsula that I've never seen, never would have gotten to see otherwise. I got to interview those people at the little education center. They had all sorts of cool whale skeletons and mouth parts. And they had seashell identifiers. There's a seagull sitting on someone's driveway. This place is bizarre. If you don't have hairs everywhere, it's seagulls. I was also mentioning how wet it is in the house. Nothing is dried out. I have an envelope full of cash that is completely dissolved inside my storage bin. It's just damp and sandy everywhere, and I'm starting to get fed up with it. I have not used a blanket or a top sheet or anything this week to sleep. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I am in the living room. So I've been tying flies on the living room coffee table with no light and sleeping on the couch there. Luckily, there are five or six windows and it's probably 11 to 12 degrees cooler downstairs than it is upstairs where everyone's complaining about how hard the beds are. They are quite difficult and comfortable to sit on. I can't imagine trying to sleep on one. I'm pulling up to the road now that meets stage harbor and hopefully i can try and get another personal best striped bass let's see what i can do i'll check in with you all later 7:32 p.m august 2nd i'm headed back to go get dinner going the fishing here kind of sucks if i were to give this vacation a rating out of 10 for fishing, I would give it two clousers out of 10. I'm averaging maybe one bite every hour and 48 minutes that I've been here. The first spot was beautiful. It was sunny. It was 85 degrees. There was a little bit of wind, but the sun made it okay. And I was standing waist deep in what yesterday was dry around the same time. Nothing. I said, all right, screw it. I'm going to come back to the spot I fished this morning. I get back here 12 hours later, and it's windier, and there is no sun. There's a microclimate in Chatham, which kind of sucks. And it's just a hazy fog over everything. At times, it looked like we were going in and out of solar eclipses. The wind was so bad that... Every time I would cast, my line would blow around and get hung up on straps on my backpack, on me, on the real the rod butt, you name it. It was beyond frustrating. Throw into that that the second eight weight of the same make and model this year, the cork or the reel seat have come loose. So after every cast, I had to turn my cork handle because my reel would spin in 360 degrees. So I went out and I started working the spot. I caught the fish yesterday, nothing. The water still got these huge waves coming and knocking me over, which is not cool. So I go out and I fish off of the shore into a deeper cut. And out of an hour and 10 minutes of blind casting in there, and I eventually put on the two smaller epoxy-headed minnows. I got one hookup, and I lost it about 15 feet from me. 
it was big, but not big enough to be fought on the reel. And that was it. I hung out there and fished another 20 or 30 minutes and waded out to the spot I had been fishing along the cut in the, the rock wall. And nothing. No sign of fish. No tugs. Nothing. And it's cold and everything I'm wearing is wet and smells like fish arse. And it's just pissing me off. I'm not having a good time right now. So I'm going to head back and get the grill going. I did talk to a guy on a kite board. He said, oh, yeah, I just fished the ponds right now. Striper fishing sucks. So I wish I had been told that a little bit ahead of time. All the, the books, the magazines, the articles, everything I read about fly fishing Cape Cod usually is either summer or fall. And have I been misled? I don't know. Is it the water temperature? I don't know, but it just kind of sucks. I thought I'd be out here catching fish left and right, or at least catching some fish, rather than hooking and losing maybe one a day at best. There's no one else out here fly fishing. There's no one else out here spin fishing. It's just me. So I'm going to go back, lay all this stuff out, Find something to light the charcoal chimney because I can't even find a newspaper around here. And we'll see if dinner will improve my spirits. We're going to Lighthouse Beach tomorrow. There's a shipwreck that sticks out of the water. It's good for kids. There's some deep cuts. Maybe I'll fish there or I'm just going to sit there and slouch. I don't know. But this was kind of a waste of an entire afternoon. I could have finished my book by now or learned to crochet or weave baskets other than just exhausting myself. It was easier to cast once I took off the size one or one-aught clouser with the huge extra-large dumbbell eyes on it. But having a rod that is basically not working and having that wind and zero visibility in the water, not worth it. All right, it is 12.08 on Friday, August 3rd. I'm in a little bit better of a mood. has nothing to do with the lack of fishing. It's just easier to be in a better mood than it is to be in a bad mood. I did not get up and go fishing this morning. In fact, I'm a little just tired. It's been hot and just humid in the house. Everything is just mildewy and wet. We can't dry it off. The light in the house is odd because of the water vapor in there. It actually has a haze to it. It's kind of gross. So the family is going up to Wellfleet to go to some beachside bar. And having been immersed in Russian since I got back from fishing last night, I figure I'm going to go do my own thing as this is my second week with my in-laws in the last five weeks. I'm assuming that this is going to be a full-on seafood joint along the beach, so I'm not even interested in going. So I'm on my way to the Goose Hammock. I'm going to find out what a, uh, sorry, the Goose Hummock. I'm going to find out just what exactly a hummock is and see if I can get some intel from there, maybe get an interview and hopefully get, uh, I don't know, maybe some time material. Just look around at a, a fishing store. And that's about it for now. And I see the goose hummock right here.
All right, we're at the, the Goose Hummock, and you are? Uh, my name is Eric uh, with the Goose Hummock Shops here in Orleans uh, on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. What exactly is a hummock? So uh, we get this question a lot. Um, so the business started back in 1946 out on Nosset Marsh, uh, primarily as a hunting, just a little hunting shack, and it was kind of located on a hummock, which is a raised bed, um, you know, kind of like a nest or a... Uh, uh, raised area of, of trees and shrubs in the marsh. Um, and so the, the shop, the little shack there, was located right on the little goose hummock out on, uh, out on the marsh there. Okay, that answers a lot of questions. All right, so I've been trying to hook into stripers, and when I talk to you on the phone, you're saying it's, it's, the daytime is just going to shut down? Yeah, this time of year, getting into the heat of the summer um, and fishing in the middle of the day, the bright sun, it, it has a tendency to turn turn some of the fish off or, or push them into deeper water. Uh, How deep are we talking? Well, so it, depending on where uh, the location that you're fishing, some of the some of the flats and things might have a deep channel uh, that run runs in between the sandbars. And so, if you're fishing there, you'd have to uh, target the the deeper troughs. Um, you know, that get that get, uh, that get a little bit deeper than the than the two to three foot um, sandbars that are that are the inshore areas. What well, sort of fly line? I'm throwing a 350 grain. So that that would be a that would be a good uh, option to use. You know, um, you could go intermediate, but then again, you know, this time of year, you, you do kind of want to get a little bit deeper. You want to get the fly down as quick as possible. So 250, th- uh, 300, 350 grains. That's that's ideal. All right. And any yeah. fly patterns? Just what? Um, so this, I this mean, is what I've been throwing. I brought it with me. Yeah. That little bait fish doodad thing. Okay. Um, well, that would be that could be good because a lot there are a lot of um, peanut bunker and baby herring starting to hatch and and show up in some of the estuaries. Um, so if if the f- fish get keyed in on small bait fish like that, that could be a good option. Um, and, and I've been trailing that behind the clouds or nothing. There was one brown fish. I swear it was a, like a grouper looking thing. It was like a potato with fins, hmm. and it came up and grabbed it. I'm trying to think, it could have been a sea robin or something. Maybe. Um, I don't know, but if you if you wanted to do the uh, the trailer teaser um, method, you might want to uh, think about going to like a big mackerel uh, with 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 a small teaser behind so it. I've got some herring something. flies that are about that big. So yeah, I mean there there have been pogies in the area. Um, so fishing a big fly, you know, contrasting with a little fly that 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 might be able to get them. Okay. And when you're saying non daytime hours, the bright light, what? Because I was out till. Seven thirty last night. So I'd I'd fish uh, later than that. Okay. I would fit honestly into dark this time of year. Um, I look forward to night fishing. Uh, in the heat of the summer, they're they're kind of reluctant to feed and go crazy during the day. So they they strap on the feed bags at night. Um, they're looking, you know, they're looking for eels. They're looking for bait fish up that are disoriented. Um, they're going into the in the shallow areas looking for crabs, shrimp. Uh, mummy chugs, things like that. So the nighttime in the middle of the summer, that's honestly when I'm fishing, either night or early, early in the morning. Okay. Yeah, I'm done with waking up at the butt crack at dawn. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so go into the night. Go into the night. Um, flies for that, though, I would I would start using, um, uh, start going larger and darker. To, uh, so, so it shows up better for the fish. The fish can see it. They can sense it better at night. Um, and they're, you know, they're looking for meals. So right, right. big dark stuff. All right. And then it looks like I've got a lunch place to go to. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You this, this guy over here, what's your name? Captain Jeff. Captain Jeff has got a really good looking sandwich wrapped in butcher paper. That's always a good sign. You yeah. see there's a Big Mac pizza there. Yep. The 
Big Mac pizza is delicious. I'm having a turkey grinder, and um, it's at Lorena's in Brewster, Mass. Fun little place to eat and bar if you feel like drinking. All right. And you got some other crazy things in here I'm not used to, like these. This is worth the offshore counter. These reels are human head-sized, and I saw a lure that was 100 plus dollars in a glass case, hand-painted. Yep. So, actually, our, our boss, our, the owner, Phil, um, he's out with some of the guys out tuna fishing right now using some of that stuff. Uh, I don't know what they're getting into today, but uh, uh, they could be casting those $100 lures. They're, they could be trolling around some of those big 130 uh, rods. Uh, who knows what they're going to get into, but we're waiting for that report. How far offshore are they? They're they're anywhere from maybe 10 to 20 miles out east to Chatham. Okay. Yeah, I'm going for bluefin. All right. Awesome. What are some of the uh, the fly brands you guys carry? So uh, fly fishing, um, uh, I've, I've been fishing some Temple Fork rods. Uh, we got some, you know, sage stuff. Uh, uh, we, we got hatch reels in, um, uh, three tanned, uh, if you're looking for something a little less expensive. Um, Ross Reels, uh, Waterworks Lampson, um, you know, we, we, we got pretty much anything to, to set you up, uh, any, you know, fresh, the lightest fresh water, water to, you know, big game salt water stuff. We, we can, we can hook you up. Any questions I'm not asking that you answer a lot, like FAQs for around here? What are some of the common questions you get, like, besides where can I fish? Um, so first of all, yes, we can sell you fishing licenses. That is a, that is a, uh, very frequently asked question. Um, other than that, uh, trying to think just, yeah, if, if, I mean, if, if, if you need some lures or if you need some line spooled on a reel real quick before you go out fishing, that's what, that's what we can set you up with. You know, we can, uh, we can get you out on the water with everything you need. All right. Got a lot of stuff to look at here. Those are some big nets too. What do you scoop up with those? Uh, those, those are the, those are our cow nets uh, for big stripers. I would uh, like to get a chance to use that one day. <laughs> right, right. No, they're 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 fun. A little bit of a hassle to manage around in the boat, but they 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 definitely do the job. I can imagine. All right. Have you been to the canal yet? No, we drove over it. I don't really have the time to drive over there, but yeah, I've been seeing some pictures at nighttime. It's pretty nuts. Yeah, no, it's it's been good. Yeah. It's been good recently. I actually took somebody out that came into the shop and got like a setup and um I met him down there and he got into a bunch of fish on the fly, little twenty inch bass right by the marina on the fly. So that was pretty cool. Nice. The wind was to his back, so we actually could cast. Um but normally people don't fish the fly there, right? Yeah, no, it's it's tough, but what's the weirdest thing you've heard being pulled out of there? Uh sailfish. Yeah, a few years ago, there was a sailfish was pulled out of the then, out of the canal. On the radio, driving over here, they said there's manatees that'll show up. I wouldn't Every doubt once it. Once in a while, like with the, they get sucked up with the um, with the Gulf, Gulf Stream. Yeah, we'll get them in the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah. Every once in a while, but up here, I was surprised to hear that. Yeah, and no, it's happened twice. I think. There have been manatees. Yeah, there I've yeah. heard stories of tarpon cruising down around Montemoy. And there was a was there a boatfish caught off of Brooklyn last year? Wouldn't doubt it. Redfish get caught up, yeah, up, up, by, yeah. up by New York. Yeah. Somebody actually caught a redfish out off Chatham like five years ago. I saw the picture on Facebook. It was like somebody's time hop, and it was their dad that caught it like five years ago. Vertical jigging off Chatham. 
like a 30 pound redfish. <laughs> what? That's, awesome. That's nuts. Yeah. All right. Uh, social media for your store where, where people can find you online to direct um, them here? It's goose.com. Uh, you can visit us. Our online shop is themightyfish.com. Uh, and you can check us out on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all, you know, all the social media accounts. Um, so, yeah. Very cool. All right, we're going to go browse some hats. Cool, cool. Over there. All right, I don't want the one with the goose on it. That's the coolest looking one, but I don't like geese. <laughs> I can't go around promoting that worthless species. No, well, we, we got sharks. We got bass. We got tuna. All so. right, very cool. Then I'm going to get myself a sandwich. All right. All right, thanks again. If earlier I was in a better mood, I'm in a good mood now. That was a fantastic visit to the goose hummock. Walked around and just saw some bizarre offshore lures and rigs and gaffs and reels and monofilament stuff that I don't really ever get to see. Good selection of fly fishing material, probably the best I've seen out here on the Cape. I went hat shopping. The hat I really wanted due to fit and color was the one with an actual goose on it. I despise the goose. I don't care for these geese. I'm not going to go around promoting an animal that I think is garbage. So I ended up getting a great white shark hat, hoping I get to see a great white, maybe. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. In the next couple hours fishing. So I went over to that lunch spot, and I walk in, and it's a nice, darkly lit locals bar. People just day drinking, eating a slow, quiet lunch. The TV's on to the weather. I sat down, and she's like, what can I do for you? And I said, well, I just came for the goose hummock. A guy had a sandwich, and I needed one. And she gave me the menu. It was the turkey one. So I got that to go. It came in a brown tubular paper bag with potato salad. I get out to the car to eat it while I'm charging my phone, and it's good. You know food that's just wrapped that way is going to be good. It was thinly sliced turkey with fresh summer tomatoes. I'm not talking Subway, mealy, white, grainy, flavorless, water-filled gibberish food. I'm talking crunchy red seasoned tomatoes that smell and taste like tomatoes with some sweet white onions, shredded iceberg lettuce on a crunchy roll or not really a roll, more of like, yeah, I guess like a hoagie roll, a little pack of mayonnaise and some potato salad. 
the sandwich has made my morning the way a good sandwich can do. I guess afternoon now, it's almost two. The potato salad was on another level. I got to call and find out what type of potato salad. It had, I think, onions and something green crunchy in it. And it was super well seasoned and nice creaminess texture to the spuds. And then I rolled over to the beer shop to get our friend a six pack who we're going to visit tomorrow night before we head back to Virginia. So I'm on my way back to a spot now. A whole lot of things changed in my mind during that conversation and post recording at the hummock. I was told that because of where we're staying, the water's much warmer because it's the sound. That's causing all the fog and the disgusting humidity. Plus, the water is much warmer down there until it meets with the ocean and then comes up north. So I'm going to be fishing a spot that gets more of the cold water than where I've been in the last couple of days fishing the warm water, which is stacking up inside of the ponds and then coming out of the outlets. This is the spot we came to a couple of days ago, the one I hooked and lost a fish a couple of days ago. I'm going to re-rig a rod that is not broken. And I'm going to go with a small sand deal and my little fly dropper behind it. I just don't want to be hauling dumbbell eyes. It's just tiring. Having to haul and then shoot 50 extra feet of line out every couple of minutes. I'm driving by a pond right now. The tide is definitely out. There's kids everywhere. This place is super kid friendly. And I'm finally glad I found a proper meal. I'm going to drive over. We passed a guy whose house said saltwater flies earlier. I think this way, entering Chatham Incorporated 1712, and I am going to find out who this person is, and if I don't pass it, then I'm going straight to the fishing spot with my full belly. Uh, Hold on a second. All right, it is 4.04 the p.m., and I am leaving the beach. I'm going to go roll back and start packing up and cleaning gear. And I got to put everything of mine in the washer and dryer, even if it's not dirty, just to dry it off. So I found that place that sold saltwater flies and I walk in. Oh my God, there's turkeys. What the heck? They're just straight up turkeys all over the road here. I'm going to get a picture of this. Not too often I get to see turkeys. And pull it. Gobble, gobble. So as I was saying, I found this little tackle fly tying shop. And I walked in and it makes me very proud about the way that I keep my place organized. I feel like a very clean and organized individual. This place was... A dump would be an understatement. I didn't know what was for sale, what was found on the beaches, what was for display. I did find a huge pack of the material I used for the tails on my scorpion bugs. And I was going to ask how much it cost, and then I noticed a bunch of old hats up on the ceiling. And I said... Where did all these hats come from? And she says, those are my husband's. He collects them. And she said that he was out getting bait somewhere else and he'd be back in a couple hours. And then I noticed a MAGA hat. And to me, that is a article of hate. And I will not support a business 
that has something like that on display. So I put the stuff down, continued talking nicer than the woman, and left it with that. So I drove down to the beach, and there were two cars there. I get there and unload and suit up my stinky pants. They didn't dry off at all overnight. Rig up. I've got the sand eel with no dumbbell eyes and my little bug on. And I start casting, and it's just too fast and too deep. So I go to a clouser half and half, and I'm throwing that, and again, up where I am. That water is just ripping through. There are seals in the water there just playing around, so I figured there's going to be no fish. So I keep moving around. It's low to incoming tide, so I can see the bottom. And I'm looking for where the fast water meets a, the sandbar. It kind of bends a bit where the bait fish would stack up. And I'm throwing through there, and I get a hookup. I strip the fish in, and I think, I was like, ooh, I caught a little blue fish. Yeah, no, I caught a I caught a hickory shad. Drove all the way up here, and one of the very few fish I land turns out to be a hickory shad. I can catch those back home. And that was the only fish I caught this afternoon. A guy waited out saying I should have been here three weeks ago to boat fish. He said a couple weeks ago he couldn't keep them off his line using pink squid flies from his boat. He suggests I go back up to the point and fish off the rocks where it's very fast. Even with a 350 grain, a short leader, and lead dumbbell eyes, it's not enough to get down through this. And I fished from, I don't know, 15 minutes in there. And then I just started slowly making my way down towards where I caught the shad and nothing. I noticed four guys were up on the beach surf casting and at this point I tangled my line and I had to fix it on shore. So I go up to shore and figure, you know what? It's eight till. I'm just gonna go to watch these guys for a couple moments moments talk to them. They said they got two fish all afternoon and they were mostly small schoolies. So I decided not to waste my time and just get in the car and roll out. So I am on my way back now to the house. And we're going to take all the ingredients tonight and just put it in a pot and make dinner. It's going to be like skip and go naked, but of food. And I think that sums up the fishing. It's just not the right time of year. The water's too hot. There's too much sun. And they picked a weekend where I could go to an awesome fishing place when it just happens that the fishing sucks. But I got a cool new hat. I finally got a good sandwich up here. And I got to see a little bit more of the island driving to these two stores, the hummock and the bar. That's about it. Well, this is just about the end of the podcast. Let's wrap things up, do a postmortem on everything I learned up there. Hopefully, if you've never been to Cape Cod, my two podcasts and my interview with Anthony should prepare you for things you might encounter when you're up there. There was a long strange learning curve breaking down the physical geography of the Cape and how it affects the fishing and weather. The water temperatures in Chatham are different than they were, say, in Truro, where all the sharks have been sighted recently, versus up on Brewster versus Provincetown. 
The currents were different. On the eastern side, you had currents wrapping around the Cape and bringing cold currents northern with them. The sand had changed since some advice I'd been given. Someone said, fish here, it'll be shallow. When I got there, it was deep. Or somebody mentioned fish here and it's deep. And I got there and it was shallow based on the annual migration of the sand. I was told where fish should be, where they shouldn't be. And I had to learn this based on, again, wind, water temperatures. There is different microclimates on the Cape, and all of these factor into when and where you're going to find fish. There was a constant, and dare I say the word, moist breeze that had been blowing over our side of the Cape the entire time. And that made for almost an uncomfortable housing situation. I mentioned we did not have any air conditioning. So nothing dried where we were due to this constant damp breeze. Nothing cotton, nothing synthetic. It all was damp the entire time. Any kind of non-refrigerated food would go limp and stale. You could almost tie crackers and pretzels, or I should say pretzel sticks, in a knot. Things were quickly reduced to water-filled grossness. The tums that I had dropped on the carpet one night expanded and then broke apart based on the amount of moisture they absorbed from the air. Paper towels, tissues, and toilet paper all were warped and partially decomposed based on the moisture in the air. The cardboard tube inside the paper towels turned to mush. The toilet always had droplets of condensation on them. Every time you went to sit down, there was water on the toilet. Not from somebody peeing on it before you, just from the coldness of the water in the tank and that dripping down on everything. And then you would drive just a few miles to the east and it was dry and breezy and clear. And you could see the almost fog bank over the part of Chatham where we were from a distance. I covered a variety of locations at different times of the day and at different tides to try and find the best option for me to catch fish when I wasn't with the family. I was limited. Again, this was not a specific fishing trip. This was a family trip, and I would go off and do my thing when everyone else was speaking Russian. The information I got from people on Cape Cod was consistently inconsistent. This also had to do with some of the emails. Now, all, they all had to do with different locations, different times of day, different water qualities. If I were to draw a Venn diagram, it would be a mess of everything that people had told me of water temperatures, locations, depths, time of year. It was consistently inconsistent. And if I could have lined all those up correctly, it would have been great. Maybe just the time of year the tides, the water temperatures, things just did not line up in my favor. And notice, I'm chill now. I caught four striped bass in Cape Cod. One of them was the biggest striper I've ever caught. And the minnow that everything was caught on, we will be tying at the September 10th Beer Tie slash TPFR Bluegill Tournament, if you're listening to this on time. Additionally, I'm giving a talk on how to prepare for winter steelhead road trips September 8th at the Northern Virginia chapter of Trout Unlimited. I got fantastic communication from some listeners. Michael Andresino, 
Bruce O'Rourke, Mark Ozog, to name a few. I was really impressed with the fingertipless gloves I purchased up there. I'm still looking for a pair of gloves that a hook won't penetrate when I'm swapping out flies and doing other things. But these are the most comfortable gloves. And, of course, at the moment, I'm blanking on the brand, but they were mentioned earlier. They sell them individually, so you have to buy a right and a left to make a pair at Bear's Den. Unless you're the six-fingered man, you're going to have – other issues, you have to buy other gloves. But I don't think there's a lot of fly fishing in Dorn. I learned that what we have in North America are not rabbits, but hares. Cape Cod is covered in hares. And this was from the book by Bill Bryson I was reading while we were there. There are hares absolutely everywhere. All over the yards, in the roads, running across the roads, everywhere but the beaches. I saw more monarchs up there than any place I've been to in a long time. And seeing a monarch these days is kind of a rare thing. In fact, we have very few of them here. I've got butterfly bushes in the front and back, cone flowers. I've got hummingbird feeders. I've got all sorts of different flowers around our yard. And we maybe have gotten seven or eight swallowtails and monarchs combined all summer that I've seen. And I'm looking out the windows a lot. There was no litter. Pretty much anywhere I went, there was no litter. Except maybe the kids section of some of the beaches, there were things little kids left behind in the sand. There were no plastic bags available at the stores. That was fantastic. At CVS, you get a paper bag. I really never needed my stripping basket. It was good to have it there. I just didn't feel that it was required at any point. I definitely feel that if I had an option to go out on a boat and visit more locations, depths, cuts, etc. I would have hooked up into more fish, but hiring a guide up there is not in this guy's budget. I didn't see any squirrels. Uh, there's no time frame up there as to if it's Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, and no one seems to be in a rush. You go places when you want, and maybe it's because I live in Northern Virginia where everyone's in a rush to get to work and to get home and to do their errands, that any place where people are not living the lifestyle as here, I find relaxing. It was very non-commercial. There were very few tourist traps except driving up to P-Town. There were some odd beach trinkety inflatable raft places, but nothing like I will see at the eastern shore of Maryland and the Outer Banks where you just have these 24-hour brightly lit stores of just tchotchkes made in China. A lot of old Jeeps. If you haven't figured out, this is in alphabetical order. My Orvis boots performed better than expected. If the river here ever gets below three feet, I'm going to go wet wading. However, it's late August and the Potomac is still at four feet at Little Falls. We had a nice four-inch rainstorm out with a client from L.A. last week. He was amazed at the amount of water that we got. It was about four inches in an hour. And there was water coming up through sewer grates and manholes in Alexandria. And I dropped him off at his hotel. I definitely run and gunned it through a nice deep puddle in my Xterra. That was fun. Now, I'm not one that goes to the beach. You know that by now. I was amazed by the amount of parents imbibing in adult beverages at the beaches. Now, I'm known to have a nice cold beer at our pool. But these parents were knocking back drinks like it was their job. The... Recycling bins in the parking lot were nothing but booze. Somebody took my soap and used it almost every day. There were four, five, 
seven of us in one house, and every day I would try to hide my soap, either in the indoor shower or the outdoor shower, and somebody would always find it, and it got peculiarly smaller as the week went on. Now, we just started watching Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Long Haul, and they're in a motel, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, and he picks up the bar of soap and there's hair all over it. I had to explain to my kid, that means someone else was using the soap and didn't clean it off. In a house where the ladies use loofahs, they're not used to bars of soap with hair on them. People walking on narrow streets, if you go up there, just expect that people are going to walk on the shoulder or in the street. Everyone's driving slow, so there's plenty of room going down to the beaches to just move over and, and give them space. The potato salad, I called up the restaurant, and I name blanks me now, but they could not give me the style of potato salad or the recipe. Now, I'm saying you need to go there just for the potato salad. That was the best sandwich on the cake, but the potato salad was above and beyond anything I expected. I called, and it's some southern recipe that the sauce is not made in-house, but it's assembled in-house. Absolutely fantastic. And there was sand everywhere. In stores, in the house, you had to dip your feet or hose them off every time you went in the house. The car has been industrial, professionally clean. There's still sand in it. I found a pair of my wading socks upstairs in the laundry after I washed them and they were inside out. I turned them right side out and sand spilled all over my bedroom floor. That took three days of vacuuming to get rid of. I can, it, I'm like the princess in the pea. If there's one granular sand particle in the house, I'm going to find it. That's it. That's my postmortem. I don't know the next time I'm going on a big fishing trip other than hopefully steelhead in the fall, early winter. Now that school is back in session, I can get to some more interviews during the daytime. And I'm going to start writing my next informative podcast on things that I think listeners might want to learn about to make them better fly anglers. So thank you, Jason, for putting all this together. Thank you, Bearsden. Uh, thank you to Captain Colin. And by the way, that boat was one of the best things we did up there. Thanks to Scout, the White Shark Conservancy, the kids up in P-Town, and Scott at Bearsden. Everybody, we had a great time. The road trip there and back should have been more fun. Maybe I'm going to get a limo for our next road trip and just have that divider up. But this has been the Cape Cod Fly Fishing Podcast for this guy for 2018. Thank you for listening. The first one had a record number of downloads in the first day. So I, I really appreciate that, everyone who's listening. And I'm going to send this off to Jason. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv 
A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. Six, eight, Western. Oh, I'm there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.